We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Barry Rosner, Joe Ostrowski with you for another 40 minutes, taking you up to Cubs baseball. The Open Score update is brought to you by the Grand Geneva Resort and Spa. Play championship golf in Lake Geneva. Visit GrandGenevaGolf.com. I can try to sum this, this up for you. It's going to take a while. Good luck. By saying Francisco Molinari and Xander Schauffele are tied for the lead at 7-under. Molinari's got three to play, Schauffele four to play. This closing stretch is an absolute nightmare. Justin Rose is in the house at six under, which is a very nice place to be right now. Not bad. Rory McIlroy has a birdie putt on 18 to tie for the lead at seven under. He missed that. He will tap in, will also be in the house at six under. Uh, Kevin Chappell, six under. Kevin <laughs> Kisner, six under. Jordan Spieth, six under. Tiger Woods, five under. With three to play. Having said that, if you had to play make... the music again, Eli, for Bruce, would you please go ahead? Go ahead, Joe. No, I forgot Bruce is going there. I was going to ask you to make a, a fresh pick right now. Oh dear lord, where I, don't, I wouldn't even know where to go. It's uh, it's insanity. I, why are you fading the music out? Give Bruce his just due. The man is here for a reason. He loves his music. So right now it's time to go out to the SCORE hotline where we're joined by SCORE baseball insider Bruce Levine, who you can hear every Saturday morning on Inside the Clubhouse. You can follow him on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Okay, Bruce, the Chicago White Sox. Um, Dylan Covey's performance last night, how impressive was it for you? Um, is that, you know, uh, we've talked about this many times this year. They have several young pitchers who have been up and down and up and down. It's not surprising. Uh, but what did you make of that one last night specifically? Well, uh, here's a guy that can get out big league hitters and command in the strike zone. And, you know, we, we talk about command and control. Control is being able to throw strikes. Command is throwing the ball where you want to with all your pitches. And he certainly has that. And he, we've seen that from him. This was the first time in maybe five or six starts. And you, you see the same thing with Giolito and Lopez. There's a lot of hope uh, in those type of pitchers. It's not like they get blown out every time they get up there and throw. They, they have games like this where, they, where you go, you know, you rub your chin and say, hey, there, there's something here. This is something to build on. Uh, the painful part is that, you know, most of this is usually done at AAA until they start dominating lineups on a regular basis. And in this, this case, they have the openings at the big league level that we knew they would have for Giolito and Lopez and Kobe. And uh, ever since, I think, um, Rodon has come back, I think you, there's a noticeable change in some of the starts that the, the young starters have had. I think he's kind of the young leader of this group right now, even though he's still a very young pitcher who hasn't accomplished what he wants to do in a full season. And uh, there, there's some semblance of order that's starting to show up to the White Sox pitching staff. I feel like we have to say this every single time, but we do because people get really 
upset when Giolito has a bad game or, or Kobe has a bad game or, you know, wh- whoever it may be. Or Kopech at the minor league level has a bad game. And then when they have a good one, the reaction is way over the top the other way. I th- feel like we have to say this every time. But it, you have experienced this, uh, as have we all, so many times with young players. It's just not that easy at the big league level, and this is what development looks like. It, it does. And uh, when Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams talked about, you know, you're gonna, we're going to have to be patient. It's not going to be easy for any of us or the fan base. You know, they were understating it because this process doesn't necessarily take just one year. Now, because you have talented young pitchers who where the light might go on for them in the last 40 or 50 games of the Major League season this year, there's a better way to project yourself being successful in a year or so. But knowing that some of the better pitchers like Dunning, uh, like um, Kopech, uh, some of the other pitchers that are down in the minor league level might come up and, and pass some of the guys that are there right now. That, that's the more reassuring thing is that uh, these guys get pushed by people within their organization over the next year or so. The Sox are right about Avi Garcia. This, this time the hamstring wouldn't keep him out as long, and he, and he returns last night as a big game with the three-run homer. Uh, do, you, do you think he's going to go somewhere? Well, Joe, what would you expect? If you were another general manager, what would you offer for Avi Garcia, knowing that... Uh, I would not offer a-, a top 100 prospect. Um, it, it would be lower just because of the insecurity I would have just by ha- that he would be available in the second half for me. I think you're right. I, I think you're spot on right that uh, because of his injuries and uh, inconsistencies sometimes in the outfield, that uh, projection-wise... We'll take a flyer on him because you have, you have one more year of control, and he'll probably make somewhere between seven and ten million dollars next year, which is a consideration. Um, that that being said, uh, he has shown some lift in his swing here with all these home runs that should encourage somebody to go after him because the, the rap on him was, yeah, he hit three thirty, but he only had eighteen home runs in a year where one hundred and four guys had twenty or more home runs. That's not a power hitter. Well, there's some lift in the, in the, in the swing now that you can say, you know what, he, he might have it figured out to the point that he is a 30-home run projected guy, and that's a different, that's a different thing that you're looking at. That, that's a different way of judging a player and saying, we'll, we'll take a chance. You know, maybe, we'll give, maybe we'll give a, a young double-A outfielder or a young double-A pitcher up for him because uh, we can put him in there, and if he gets hurt, we're none the worse off. We we still have what we have in the organization. But somebody looking at him as a difference maker right now, that they cannot do that. Bruce, uh, I, w- I thought Moncada's comments about his strikeouts were, were both honest and showed a sign of of maturity that, um, you know, we haven't always seen. But what do you make of his of his growth both on the field and off the field this year? Well, I think it's been good. I still don't think he's a second baseman. I, I know you didn't ask me that, but I, I think I, I still think a change of position for him where he's not concentrating so much on being really good at a position that he's not would be very helpful. In other words, with, with his quick movement and strong arm, he, he probably could be a really good third baseman. So if Madrigal it makes a quick ascension to the major leagues over this next 
uh, year, uh, maybe even early next season, 2019. I think it would be it would be beneficial to the player not to have that mental responsibility of I got to be better at second. I got to move my body this way. Uh, a more how about, relaxed how about moving? How about moving them to third now? Then I would. I'm all for it. Uh, in their in their situations, they don't have to do that right now because they can experiment with the idea. Okay, maybe Anderson and Mankata aren't their second and shortstop, second baseman and shortstop, or they're but they're important parts of our future. Let's let the season play out, and then if we make changes, it'll be in the off season. I'm with you, Barry. If you don't think the guy is that, and I've never heard them say it, this is just me saying it, then you make the move now and you give them a little bit more experience. You give them, you give them 60 games uh, playing another position, which isn't a bad idea. It's not like he hasn't played there before. He has. But, again, this is just me. There's no, no one with the White Sox telling me, you know, we're moving him. But Madrigal will change the dynamic of the up the middle for one of those two players. Yeah, they gave Ron Sandberg a month at second base in 1982, moving him from third, where he had been <laughs> spectacular, gold glove worthy, by the way, but they gave him a month at second because they knew that's where he was going to be the next year. Yeah, he could have played, you know, and he was a shortstop, Barry. Yeah. I mean, he would have been a he would have been a gold glover at any of those positions. I mean, that that's how good he was. But uh, with this guy... This is just me saying, you know, take his mind off of, you know, trying to get your body in front of a ball. And, you know, you're already a good baseball athlete with a lot of offensive skills. Uh, take the pressure off, put him at third, and that's it. You know, if Hunter or Williams are listening, they're laughing and saying, you know, it's easy for you. You're not invested in this. Uh, <laughs> we don't have any answers for this right now. We're letting them play. But, you know, that's why we do what we do. Bruce, uh, there was a time there where it seemed like whether it was because of injury or a little bit of struggle, maybe they could keep Kopech or Eloy down for the entire season. You can't make that argument anymore. Last two starts for Kopech, 20 strikeouts and two walks. Eloy had a couple homers the other day. He's been on, he's been on fire. How do you think the White Sox handled this? Because just staying in Charlotte the rest of the way, I, I don't know if uh, you're doing the right thing for their development. Well, what about contract control? Are you concerned yep. about that? Of course. You know, would you like to have them for an extra year? Going back to the think? Chris Bryant situation, yeah. So, yeah. so how do you think they're going to handle this? I don't think that you know. I don't think it'll impact the White Sox as much as you and I, you know, want to hold on to the guy. But you have to project Eloy as a uh, a potential superstar, right? And if that's the case, if he is in the Bryant area in the way you're thinking, and there's nothing offensively that he's done to make you think any other way i hold i hold him back till the eighth game of next year or the tenth game of next year or whatever it is because i want to have i want to save that 25 to 30 million dollars potentially uh that i have to pay him an early, a year early sorry i mean i don't think it's impacted uh, chris bryant's career has it uh he's, he's done pretty well and uh, he's got over it he, he's happy to be a, a cub and happy to be a part of the one of the best franchises in baseball so Player will get over it. Fan base will get over it. The Sox aren't near to competing yet, are they? You think 2019 is the year where they're competing for a division title? I'm not. I'm not seeing that number of players on the field right now that indicate that for me. So if 2020 is the year, I'm good with the 10th, 12th game of 2019 for him. As much as I'd love to see him up here 
from a um, organization point of view, a fan base point of view, a front office point of view of look at this guy. Here's what you're going to see in the future. He's hitting home runs. He's going to be a superstar. He's the next big poppy. Whatever you want to, you know, project. As much as you want to do that, you know, I think the judicious thing to do would be uh, hold him until next year. Hey, score baseball insider Bruce Levine. You hear him every Saturday morning on Inside the Clubhouse and every Sunday here on Hit and Run. Some you Darvish news, Bruce Levine. Uh, he uh, played catch again and felt fine. And I did, too. I did, too, this morning with my nephew. You did, and how did you feel? I felt good, uh, you know, but uh, I'm not ready to get up on the mound yet. Well, how, will you f- how do you think you're going to feel when you wake up tomorrow? Because, you know, that's always the key. I'm going to feel like I'm, I'm still an older guy that my game is done. That's... But in the case of Darvish, yeah. uh, you know, every time the guy moves, everybody wants to know about it. I mean, this is July the 22nd. He built up the 60 pitches three times in his previous trial. That's three weeks ago now, okay? Um, realistically, at this point, we're looking at a guy at the end of August, a month, a month away. I think it's a month before everything goes right. I think 20, 24 to 30 days, he's up on the hill pitching again for the Cubs. That's, I think that's the most optimistic you can be to build a pitch count. You know you have to build a pitch count to 75. He's got to do it a couple times. You know, he's nowhere near that. I mean, he's not throwing full bullpens off of a mound yet. So if you want to be optimistic, you can say the third week of August. If you want to be pessimistic, you might say we hope to get him back to full strength in September. Bigger need, closer or starting pitcher? Would you be upset if I said both? No. I mean, uh, you you throw a big tarp over the 11 teams in the National League that are competing for, you know, playoff play. Is, is there much difference between any of them right now? I think with a with a strong move for the bullpen, strong move for a guy like Duffy from Kansas City for the Cubs, uh, you know, a strong move for, you know, a, a guy like uh, Britton. Uh, even though it doesn't look like that's happening right now, I think the Cubs can separate themselves. Right now, you see the wear and tear of this five-game series. You see a, a very excellent bullpen with Morrow and Nett in the, in the rearview mirror now in the, at, at, the, at the end of that uh, bullpen, uh, starting to uh, wear down naturally. And uh, they have been the story of the Chicago Cubs, but they need fortification. The young guys that came up from the minor leagues did a fantastic job uh, of uh, keeping things going when the bullpen was hurting. You can't expect that, and you don't want that. You want veteran guys like Jesse Chavez that they picked up. Excellent pickup by the Cubs. Those are the things you want to see happen. You want two more moves if you can without impacting your 25-man roster. It's not going to be easy to do. Bruce, did Joe say anything else this morning about what occurred last night with Javi Baez and Will Little? No, it was, it was done. I mean, he he went on and on. We asked him three or four different questions last night about that. And I think that the one thing that really got to Joe is, you know, you're throwing one of my players out of the game with his back turned to you and walking away. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what he's saying, he's not showing you up to the fans. You just can't throw him out. 
Well, there's only him. there's only forty thousand people there to see Javi Baez play. Um, how many are there to see Will Little play? Yeah, no, it was just a really bad move by the umpire. He should have fined him for throwing the equipment. Uh, and that's it. The guy's not in his face. He's walking away. Even if he's swearing at you, he's walking away. You're not in the minor leagues anymore. You're a major league umpire. That is just not the right move. And it, it totally impacted the game for the Cubs. It would have impacted uh, the game for the Cardinals if it was Molina that it happened to. Uh, it's just, it was just the wrong call by the umpire. Bruce, thanks very much for your time. Always appreciate it. Always enjoy it. Look forward to talking to you next Sunday. Shane, the pleasure's all mine, guys. Have a great week. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you, Bruce. Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine. You hear him every Saturday morning on Inside the Clubhouse and every Sunday here on Hit and Run. We will take a quick timeout. And when we come back, Joe, we will get to that uh, John Lester audio. We will get to uh, the White Sox minor league report. If you're driving around, we'll keep you updated on what's happening with the Open Championship. Also, some bad news out of Minnesota. Awful news. Uh, Vikings offensive line coach Tony Sperano died at the age of 56. Wow. Yeah. Former head coach. Uh, Did they? they, No no details that I've seen yet. They just announced that he passed away. Wow. That is awful news. Uh, Thanks for that pick-me-up, Joe Ostrowski. Okay, Uh, I will not give you news then. Sorry. Well... There's certain kinds of news I like. Actually, there's really no good news. Is there? Is there ever, ever any I don't good wa- news? I don't watch it anymore. The news is awful. Just awful. But the weather's good. We do like the weather. Uh, when we come back, we'll get to uh, to that Lester audio and uh, White Sox minor league report, some other odds and ends, and, of course, more Rob Manfred uh, delightful tape. We'll do all that next here on Hit and Run on the Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Joe Strauss, Barry Rosner with you for a final segment before we go to Cubs baseball here on the Score. Did it surprise you when Mike Farron said that the five best teams might be in the American League? I was, I'm willing to go top four. But I'm not willing to say top five that Oakland's better than anybody in the National League. He said might be. I mean, look, if you're looking at it from an outsider's perspective and you don't watch the Cubs every day and you see their starters get knocked out early every single game, why why would you have a lot of respect for their chances? Well, I'd say the Dodgers would be fifth, but or be even. I don't. I don't, you know, I still don't love the Dodgers. I mean, they're loaded with talent, but they've, you know, their starting rotation does not thrill me. They have, they have had plenty of injuries. I'm skeptical of Kershaw. Watched him some last night. Didn't particularly love that. Um, The Machado thing is huge. I mean, he's a phenomenal player, but they got, they got other problems. They need, they still need bullpen help. And frankly, if I were them, I'd be looking for another starter, honestly. But, uh, yeah, I thought five was a lot, five teams. I, but that, that move this week was big by the Indians. That, I thought that was really big. Oakland, a huge move for Oakland, and Nobody, too. nobody's. You're right, and nobody's talking about the Indians. They're well, just still concentrated on those other three teams. Because there's just no race there. Nobody, nobody looks at them. Nobody thinks of them. Nobody talks about them. 
But they are, you know, that's not going to be an easy out. Let's put it that way. They're going to be as rested as they want to be. If Andrew Miller can get healthy, that's not going to be an easy out. Right. The American League, I mean, the the reason. 12 to 1 is not bad. No, I mean, it's, you know, when you stack them up against the Red Sox or the Astros or the Yankees, who desperately need pitching help, it, it doesn't. You know, you you don't get that excited about the Indians, but I love their pitching. What if Kluber's the best in baseball at that time? We've seen that. Do you like what Trevor Bauer's done this year? Trevor Bauer's been pretty darn good this year. Yeah. Um, and that bullpen, if they can start to shorten the game again, yeah, they're ab- they're absolutely someone you have to talk about. One of my questions about them coming into the year was, Boy, I don't know if Ramirez can do that again. Well, he's oh. doing that again. <laughs> and he started off slow. Yes. It's unbelievable. Eli, uh, what do you have for us on the White Sox minor leagues for this week? Yeah, so in low A, starting in Kannapolis, Nick Madrigal, 36 plate appearances overall. He's been on base 17 times with no strikeouts. 17 times in how many plate appearances? 36. <laughs> it's ridiculous for the first-round pick. Uh, 367, 472, 433 slash line with four RBI, two walks. And again, those no strikeouts, zero strikeouts. Zero strikeouts. Correct. He's a bust. He's a bust out. <laughs> it's over. Wasn't it's he done. a bust out because he played poorly in one, stop, stop, one, stop. one game that was on TV? Stop. I think he had, I think he had in his first error of the year in the, in the college baseball world series. And that's when White Sox fans what? decided to freak out. What? Yes. There were, there were people that he was a bust out. I saw it on Twitter because know, of like Joe, one, you were saying it too. Don't lie. One game in the, was that the college world series? And yes, he, it was and, the College World and, Series. And he was a bust out. I well, just, it was a three-game College World Series, Barry. But yeah. All right, continuing on here in Winston-Salem, Luis Robert, his last 10 games, a three fifty one batting average with five RBI, uh, five runs scored, a 12-5 to strikeout-to-walk ratio. That's kind of the issue with some of these prospects, high strikeouts and low walks. A 293, 372, 373 slash line with no home runs and nine RBI since the promotion. And Blake Rutherford is... Hitting well as well, 303, 351, and a 456 slash line with six home runs at 65 RBI. He has a 60 to 22 strikeout to walk ratio. And then down in Birmingham in double A, Luis Basabe with a big home run in the Futures game, 257, 359, 456 slash line with 11 home runs and 40 RBI. Zach Collins. As well, the strikeout-to-walk ratio has been concerning, even though he leads the Southern League in walks. 112 strikeouts, 280 walks, a 244, 405, 417 slash line. Continuing on here with some of the other prospects in double-A, Dylan Cease Cease pitched on Friday. Five innings pitched, four hits, three earned runs, seven strikeouts, three walks, a 374 ERA in four double-A starts. Jimmy Lambert, who's been a guy who's been picking it up, in double-A for the White Sox since his promotion since high-A. He had a perfect game through two innings pitched on Thursday. Two strikeouts, left with an oblique injury. But before that, in his three uh, previous starts combined with the Thursday outing, 16 innings pitched, eight hits, one earned run, and a 21-to-two strikeout-to-walk ratio. Bernardo Flores also pitching well, seven innings pitched, and one earned run last night. Dane Dunning out five more weeks with a sprained right elbow. And then last but, last but not least. Out five more weeks. Five more weeks, yeah. So we'll see if he comes back this year. Yeah, why would he come back this year? Probably not. Okay. But that's the timetable. 
Eloy Jimenez in in Triple A, six for nine over his last two games with two home runs and three RBI. Five <laughs> of eight games he's had uh, multi hit performances in those five of eight games yep. since coming off the DL last Sunday. A three forty two three ninety two six sixteen slash line with a one point oh oh nine OPS. Uh, with five home runs and 10 RBI since being called out to AAA. And then Michael Kopak, last but not least, six innings pitched Same. on Thursday. Seven hits, one earned run, nine strikeouts, one walk. 70 of 102 pitches, four strikes, two earned runs over his last two starts. So for people who are saying he's going to be a closer for the White Sox, probably not. What people said that? I, I saw it on Twitter, I think. Also a bust out. Who because he that? Also a bust out. Ask, uh, ask Mad Dog. The guy who throws 110 miles an hour can't even make the staff. He can't make the staff. Yes, he's good enough to be be in the he rotation. Whatever his name is. <laughs> what about what do you call what do you call Giolito? Gelato? <laughs> no, it was close to that. I think it was gelato. I don't want to hear about uh, gelato now. It's pitched gelato. a couple of games in a row. <laughs> gelato. That's what it was. Gelato. All right, thank you, Eli. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by Aaron Hills Golf Course in Southeast Wisconsin. Host of the 2017 U.S. Open, following the footsteps of the game's best players. For day trips or overnight getaways, make Aaron Hills your next golf destination. Play, stay, eat, and meet, business or pleasure, AaronHills.com, E-R-I-N-Hills.com. Tiger Woods is going to finish the Open Championship at 5-under. Looks like he's going to miss out by 2 Perhaps three if uh, Francesco Molinari makes his birdie putt on 18. Who knows? There's going to be a playoff. Who knows? That is a uh, that's a shame. You're talking about really one bad hole, uh, one double bogey, one errant approach shot. But at the Open Championship, that's all it takes is one errant approach shot. People... Yeah, but if I told you Thursday, Tiger's going to be top 10. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that would be great. Uh, didn't I say that? You actually Thursday said that morning? on the air. I, I think said I he asked would, you. I said yeah. he would be top 10. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, Francesco Molinari now in the house at eight under Xander Schaufle is going to have to come up with a birdie on 17 or 18. And that is no easy task. Thursday. He birdied, or rather Friday, he birdied, uh, 17 and yesterday he birdied 18. Okay. Well, it's all about, uh, on 18, it's all about the tee shot. I mean, there's so much trouble. If you can get one down there. You got yourself an opportunity. Joe, you want to hit the uh, the last legal here? Uh, hit and Run is brought to you by Northwestern football coach Fitz and the Wildcats host Michigan, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Illinois, and more this fall at Ryan Field. Season and single game tickets are on sale now at newsports.com. Eli, do you have the uh, John Lester audio from his post game the other day when I, I assume the question dealt with uh, whether he thought his peripherals were suggesting that he was going to run into trouble sooner or later. All this other nonsense is something for people to talk about, you know. Um, everybody wants answers for why a guy's pitching well or not pitching well, and I'm just, I guess I'm old school when it comes down to watch the game. Um, you know, are there times at Wrigley where, you know, you fall behind a guy with the wind blowing in? Am I worried about throwing a ball right down the middle? No. I don't care what the exit velocity is. I don't care how far it's supposed to go. Is it an out? Yes. So what does it matter? Um, you know, I, I think, like I said, I think there's people that have nothing better to do that overanalyze things. Um, I, 
I'm a big believer in sit back and enjoy the baseball game. And whether a ball's hit hard or not, I mean, I've given up plenty of my fair share of bloop singles and bloop doubles, and it doesn't matter what the exit velocity is. It, it goes down as a single or a, or a double. Let me hear your thoughts on that. Fire away. That's John Lester, the veteran, been around a long time, knows how to manage his way through a baseball season. Um, I do think analytics are important. I think some of the metrics are terrific. I can also see John Lester's point of view because there are a lot of people who worship at the altar of fan graphs or whatever site that they use and don't watch games, really don't know a whole bunch about baseball, probably don't even like baseball, Uh, some of whom comment on it, some of whom uh, may write about it, but uh, really don't even have that much interest in it. You know, they just, they go to a site, they get their information. Or, they're part of their job, and that's where they get all their answers. Yeah, because they don't watch games. Yeah. So I understand his frustration with that, because there are games at Wrigley Field, and Greg Maddox did this all the time, where you you threw it up there, and you didn't care where they hit it, because the wind was blowing in 30 miles an hour. Ashley Clark and Addison. And um, his point about the specific count and the kind of hitter he may be facing and more interested in getting it out than where it's hit or how hard it's hit. I think John Lester does know what he was does know what he's doing. So I don't blame him for uh, for having that frustration because there are people who don't watch baseball at all and they rely solely on those analytics, and that is wrong because there are a lot of things in the numbers that don't tell you everything. Especially, I mean, we've seen it with defensive metrics over and over and over again. Those things just aren't very good. But if you watch games, you know. You know the difference. Now, the metrics tell you that the Cubs have a great defense, and you watch the games. It shows you that the Cubs have a great defense. And that's that's something that also goes into how Lester is pitching and just throwing it up because he because he knows what's behind him. And BABIPs are going to be low, like it was in 2016 for that starting rotation because of the quality of defense they have. So um, I'm not – I mean, I'm uh, – I, I congratulate him for saying what he thinks because, you know, much like when much like when Joe Madden does it, you're going to get shouted down. He will be crushed for this. Uh, I'm sure it will be a popular topic of conversation this week in in all different forms of media, and he will get crushed for it because that's what people do. They're, they You know, the group think is that it's analytics and only analytics – and there aren't people playing this game, and they don't have the ability to think. So he'll be shouted down for it, but good for him for not caring, for saying what he thinks. I do think the analytics have great value. I mean, they do. They have been able to show us things that we otherwise wouldn't have known. And like I said, BABIP, I think, is, is, is at least for me, one of the best ones. I love war. I don't think war is perfect. No. But it sure is a fun way for us to bridge generations and to try to get an idea of what one guy is like compared to a guy from 20 or 30 or 40 it's advanced. years ago. A lot of those different numbers have advanced the conversation, which is which is a good thing, but yeah. there's negative to it also. Um, but believe me, he'll, uh, he'll get a beating for that this week. And some of the guys who were starting to talk about him for the Hall of Fame, who are advanced analytics guys, watch him start to move off of that. Because this will be a personal insult. Yeah. To them. This will be taken personally insulting because you you must only look at it one way. 
You can't look at it more than one way, Joe. You either love analytics or you don't. That's how that's how the the crazy sabermetricians look at it. The ones who are far right wing, who don't believe in scouts or believe in watching a game, they right. truly believe that's it, and they they will be angry about that. That will be a personal insult to them. But basically, when you boil it down and you look at Lester's quotes, what he was saying: Look, this is an explanation why my strikeout rate is down a little bit, my hard hit rate is up a bit. Why the XFIP is much higher. You see that gap between the ERA and the XFIP. He was explaining it. I don't know if they're willing to listen because maybe they only heard him ripping analytics. But he was explaining why some of the peripherals look awful. Right. And they did. And we talked about it frequently over the last few weeks that they have one starting pitcher going well. And his peripherals are a little bit scary. Usually when you see that gap, what happens next? Right? So... Good for John Lester, anyway, for uh, for saying what he thinks. Because there, you know, there's there's not a lot of people anymore willing to do it because it's, uh, you know, you know, you're going to get a beating in the process. Um, that's it, Joe. We're out of time. We're we're finished. Ready? And then today we've got uh, it's going to be an interesting start. Almost a two week rest for Jose Quintana coming off shoulder fatigue. They need a lot out of him. One of these guys, they need to step up as they're searching for that role of a number two starter. Somebody just needs to pitch some innings. Six innings. But shoulder fatigue, are you expecting that? We'll see. Well, it was fun today. It was uh, certainly a challenge. Uh, We hope that you watched the (laughs) Open Championship and also uh, listened to us. I I assume you did because you're still listening to us. Time for thank yous. To our producer, Eli Hershkovich, great job again producing. We appreciate it. Thanks to our guests, Doug Glanville, Mike Farron, Rami Mikloff, and Bruce Levine. Thanks for calling. Thanks for texting. Most of all, thanks for listening. We really appreciate you spending some of your Sunday with us. Stay tuned now for the Cubs pregame show starring Zach Zabin and featuring Joe Madden, Jim Hickey, Len Casper, and Ron Coomer. And then it's Cubs baseball right here with Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer on the radio home of the Chicago Cubs. It's Miles Michaelis and Jose Quintana. Have a great rest of your Sunday, everybody. Hasta la vista, baby! I carpool with McGowan to the ballpark in the morning. McGowan! Are you kidding me? Holy Moses. How about that for a sec? So long, everybody. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.